Hi folks, you're listening to To Know the Land. My name is Byron. On the show we talk about uh, different relationships to the land base, how people are learning about the land and just what's happening on the land. Um, today we're talking to Space Rogue from CyberSquirrel1.com. How are you doing, Space Rogue? I'm doing well today. How are you? I am, I am, I am great. Um, I, I have to say that I am excited to be talking to you. I'm excited for your project. I'm excited for all the work that you've done. Um, I saw a video a few months ago, maybe, on Boing Boing about your work and a presentation that was given, and I've been fascinated ever since, so I'm glad you're on the show. Uh, Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think that presentation was probably done at ShmooCon, which was a hacker conference in D.C., in February, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so it's probably that's when I saw it shortly after the con- shortly after. It was, was the abbreviated version of that talk. I think they they made me fit it into 20 minutes, and I think I tried to shoehorn a 70 minute talk into that 20 minute time slot. So you did well. I left out a lot of stuff. So. I think I think maybe the speed leads to leads to more curiosity, right? Like what ans- what wasn't being answered? Look at that graphic. Why didn't we get to talk about that graphic? So it was very exciting. <laughs> Um, can you tell us about the, the website CyberSquirrel One and what it's all about? So CyberSquirrel One is a direct response to the rhetoric and hype that, at least in the United States anyway, that surrounds uh, cyber war and the potential effects on the electric grid, specifically the electric grid, not the financial markets or anything else having to do with cyber war. Uh, but here in the U.S., it's a pretty big topic of debate among some circles that there is the potential for a nationwide blackout that would last for months at a time, uh, all from a cyber attack. Uh, my feeling on that is uh, a little bit contradictory uh, in that while, yes, I believe it's possible a cyber attack can take out the power I don't believe that a massive attack on the scale that's being discussed here could disable the power nationwide for months on end. And so as a counterpoint, uh, I created CyberSquirrel 1, which basically documents all the power outages caused by squirrels and other animals around the world uh, to sort of say, look, we can't even keep the power on uh, because of squirrels. Uh, You know, we're probably not going to be able to keep it on from a cyber attack as well, but that's not going to cause what's known as a black swan cascading failure across the entire country. Uh, And that's, in a nutshell, the basics of the the entire project. Okay, even from there, I've got got a bunch of questions. Um, Okay. When you say it it could possibly take out the power but not the power grid, am I getting that correct or am I misunderstanding what you're saying there? Nope. Um, so the, the theory is that the, a cyber attack could take down the entire grid of the United States, and as a result, parts of Canada and parts of Mexico as yeah, well, yeah. Uh, for several months at a time. And by the grid, uh, that basically means the interconnectedness of all the local power companies uh, that would be unable to share and transfer electricity from one area to the other. So basically, you're looking at a month-long blackout across the entire country. Okay. Um, and it's, is that's that, what the supporters of this theory are, the naysayers, the cyber rate, cyber uh, 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 saber rattlers, as I yeah, call them, yeah. um, uh, sort of saying that, oh, my God, 
we need to do something about this threat. Uh, look at the risks that we could uh, that are that's impacting us. And I'm here to say, like, well, yeah, may, this this risk is extremely small. We should better off devoting our resources uh, to fixing the, the, some of these other issues as opposed to worrying about a nationwide blackout that's not, probably not going to happen. Why, why do you think folks are, why, the, why are those folks rattling those sabers? What do they get out of it? What's happening there? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, there are probably a couple of uh, different angles that we're looking at here. Um, one is that it generates great headlines. Um, and so there are some people who are seeking attention for whatever reason, uh, and by claiming that you're going to have a blackout for months at a time across the entire country, uh, you know, that makes people sit up and take notice and say, oh, my goodness, what's going on over there? Uh, so there's part of its attention grabbing, and then that attention grabbing then can then lead to maybe budget increases uh, for whatever budgets people are looking to, to increase, and, uh, and it, it sort of helps. Fear sells, as they say. Mm -hmm. you know? And so if you're trying to promote a, a certain agenda or you're trying to sell a certain product, uh, it's, it's good to instill fear in people to try to further your own agenda. Um, and I'm trying to try to dispel some of that fear. Which is great. I feel like, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, can, I can only speak as an outsider, as someone who's looking in through a media that really hypes fear. But... It seems as though in America and Canada, and I think in a lot of other parts of the world as well, fear really does sell, and it's a great motivator for more, um, maybe consuming more, more state control, or more power in the hands of certain individuals. So to use fear as a motivator seems like it's, it's not a new thing. No, it's not a new thing, and it's unfortunately rather effective. Um, yeah. So... Pretty much throughout my entire career and other projects that I've done, I've, I've, one of the, the undercurrents has been to try to dispel some of that fear, uncertainty, and doubt, what we call FUD. Uh, and in the information security industry, which is the industry that I work in, uh, it's a pretty rampant thing. Uh, people tend not to buy security unless they're afraid of something. Uh, but I try to try to dispel some of that fear and, you know, give out some of the true facts and, and make people realize exactly what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And you are detailed in, in helping folks figure out what's going on. Your your meticulousness is to be commended. I feel like I'm you, on the first page of the cyberscroll1.com, and that's one, the number one, you can scroll into this map, and you can select from uh, windows of what, squirrels or other animals that have caused these power outages. Select the year going all the way back to 87, uh, you can select a month, and then you can even just scroll in and look at specific areas in the world. So right now I have Southern Ontario blown up, and I picked each each um, pin drop is is has a bit of information about the time of the event or the date, what animal it might have been, where it was exactly, uh, a very brief synopsis, and then a link to an article about it. And I've opened one up that I'm going to read right now from uh, the record.com from Waterloo. And uh, the headline, oh, this is from November 25th, 2016. The headline says, Goose Caused Power Outage by Record Staff. Um, a goose that flew into electrical wires was the cause of a power outage early Friday evening. Waterloo North Hydro said the affected streaks included King, Albert, Columbia, Bricker, and Seagram Drive. 
signal lights at the intersection in the area were dark also. Crews were able to get the power on after about 45 minutes, police said. However, the goose did not survive. And I, that sounds typical of what your of your what your website is posting. Yeah, that's a pretty uh, pretty typical news article. Um, for just to give you some numbers, for all of Canada, uh, I'm currently tracking 121 outages, uh, and I don't know how old how far back that goes for just Canada. The oldest outage I have is from 1939, actually. Wow. Um, which is actually jellyfish that uh, in a, was in a coal fired power plant that got sucked into the, the coolant tanks on the, the plant and shut the plant down. But, um, so, yeah, so for all Canada, I got 121 outages. Uh, total outages I have is uh, 1,850. Um, and that is, I, I'm pretty particular about which outages I include in my, my database, my list. Um, I have to make sure that I can verify that the outage actually happened. Um, and so I require some sort of news article or lately I've actually uh, started to use tweets from power companies. Okay. Uh, if I can get enough information out of the tweet to actually give me a location and a time, which sometimes is not always possible. And I try to back everything up onto the Internet Archive to save the, the web pages to make sure that if somebody else wants to use my data in the future, that data is there in the archive and people can can look up and confirm all of my data. I can't get 100% because some pages are blocked from the archive. But yeah. I'm at about 80% uh, of those links have, have been saved, so they'll be there for posterity. This is great. Again, that's a, this attention to detail that I think this project is all about. And and I think sometimes that's what you need, especially when you said, you know, like you're trying to dispel fear, a fear that's ungrounded or not so based, like or maybe blown out of proportion. It's like... If, if for a lot of people that are dealing with extreme anxieties or whatever, you can come to this website and be like, okay, it's not as, it's not that bad. And I think where was this cited? Maybe it was cited in the Wired article that was talking about the website. Um, but most of the time, the power comes back on fairly shortly. It's not. Yeah. So my average. So this, yeah, yeah, I track a lot of weird stats there. So my average duration out of eighteen hundred and fifty outages is one hundred and thirty-six minutes. That's, that's not uh, long at all. Two, that's two hours. Yeah. The average power outage caused by an animal is about two hours. Um, the average number of people affected by each outage is about 4,886 people, 0.12. The outages that, that are caused by animals are not, they do not last long, and they don't really impact very many people. Um, but I'm also only scratching the surface onto the, as to the number of actual outages that occur, uh, as I said, I, I require some sort of news article or some other proof of occurrence before I add it to my database. And most outages just happen. Nobody reports on them. Uh, they don't make it into the local paper. And if they do, they don't make it into Google so I can find them. Yeah. Uh, and I have some quotes uh, from various uh, industry people who say that there are many numerous more outages. I have a quote from a guy in Montana who claims that there's about 156 animal-caused outages in one particular year. And maybe it wasn't 156, but somewhere around then. Uh, and I look up the number, and I only have, like, four of them. Mm. Like, I don't even have 1% of the total number of outages that were caused by animals in my database. Um, and so, as a result, we're really just scratching the surface uh, as to the extent of the cyber squirrel threat to our country. 
Man, have you seen any sort of uh, buildup in uh, fear mongering against squirrels or other animal life in, in response to all this? <laughs> well, it's interesting because squirrels are one of those animals that people either really love them because they're cute and curry, cute and cuddly, or they really, really, really hate them with a passion because they think they're rodents and they, they eat their bird feed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there doesn't seem to be any middle ground when it comes to squirrels. And I'm sure that uh, with the uh, uh, cyber squirrels now attacking our power grid, that di- that dichotomy between love and hate has grown even wider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I can expect to be seeing, I imagine they'll be putting baffles on all the power lines to make sure the squirrels don't get up soon. That's an interesting thing, yeah. So that's a, uh, a whole other industry that I have been trying to track and figure out how big that industry is. And there are specific companies who sell animal deterrents to power companies. Huh. Squirrel baffles, uh, also bird things to protect them from birds. What, did, uh, what do the bird things other... look like? I, well, it's, it's hard to find some of this information, right? Okay. Because I'm not in the electric industry, yes. so I don't really yes. know where to look for stuff. Yeah. Um, I've actually started subscribing to some... Uh, uh, different magazines that are for the electric industry. There's one company here. I have a, uh, an ad for them called ReliaGuard, um, Better Solutions for Power Line Protection. Hmm. Uh, they have transformer bushing covers, which are basically these plastic things that snap around uh, parts of the transformer to protect, keep birds and squirrels out of okay. them. Um, but I, I've been trying to get some numbers of like how big this industry is that and how many companies are there are there that actually sell, make these things and sell them to power companies? And it's just it's been hard to track down uh, that information, you know, with the time that I have because you know I have to do my regular job. Yes, too. yeah. So uh, it, I know there are companies out there that that's all they do. So it's got to be a fairly decent sized industry. So it's obviously a fairly decent sized problem to have to be able to support, uh, you know, a couple of companies making these products. Hmm. Um. What What do you do? In your in your normal job, uh, I uh, I'm in information security. Uh, I've been in the industry now for oh, over 20 years. Um, I back in the 90s I worked a, with a, a group called Loft Heavy Industries, one of the very first hacker think tanks. Uh, we testified in front of U.S. Congress on weak computer security in government. Um, I've worked at several different security companies since then, uh, and I currently am a strategist for Tenable in Columbia, Maryland. So you've got I would say reliable insight onto the security. Uh, if, if we're talking about uh, squirrels as a security problem or a potential security risk, you've probably got a good insight into what that can look like. Well, I do now. Uh, we've been doing the cyber squirrel. I've been doing the cyber squirrel one project now for uh, about three years. Yeah. Um, I have more insight into exactly what's involved when it comes to cyber war. Uh, and what the actual risks are and what the potential uh, possible outcomes are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I've learned a lot about squirrels along the way since I started this project um, and uh, as other animals as well and exactly how much damage they can cause. Um, so I think it's a good uh, counterpoint to the cyber war rhetoric, and I think it makes my point very well. Yeah. Uh, today we're talking to a space rogue from cybersquirrel1.com that's the number one and we're talking about the impact the squirrels and other different fauna um, have on the power grid we're talking mostly so far we've been talking about North America is this a problem that's been happening around the world or is it mostly specific to here 
Yeah, it is a nationwide problem, uh, a nationwide, a global problem. Um, it's difficult for me to get information about other countries because I only speak English. Yeah. So if it's published in a foreign language, it, it, it's uh, difficult for me to find. And I also, uh, most other countries, power outages are not newsworthy events. Mm. So if, they, if, if you have a power outage that lasts for two hours and impacts you know, a couple hundred people, is it going to make it into your local paper? Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, and usually the only ones I get are unusual ones uh, where, say, a monkey or an elephant is involved. Um, I think I have a, a three, mon- a three elephants and two monkey outages. Uh, oh, no, I have 11 monkey outages. Excuse <laughs> me. Um, and I have three elephant outages. So, uh, and after the United States, the United States, I have 1,459 current outages. Canada is 121 followed by Germany, Australia, United Kingdom, New Zealand, Switzerland, France, I have 11, uh, Mexico, Argentina, Brazil, Japan, I have six. Uh, and it continues on down. I think uh, down at the bottom of the list, I have one in Kuwait, I have one in Vietnam, uh, one in Indonesia, uh, Cambodia, Morocco, Kenya. Uh, so it is a worldwide issue. I mean, animals eat electric power cables or get entangled up in the cables all over the world. Um, it's not just in the United States or Canada. Is there something in the power lines that's driving squirrels to start chewing on them? Um, well, that's a good question. Uh, I don't think for squirrels, no. Um, I, in some cases, there are the plastic sheathing that covers electrical cables is sometimes made out of a soy-based plastic. Okay. Uh, and you see this a lot, in, specifically in automobiles recently. Uh, where the squirrel will actually eat the wiring inside a vehicle because it's a soy-based plastic. I don't know if they use that soy-based plastic on a high power line. I'm going to suspect not. Uh, but the uh, high power lines or substations are probably attract animals due to the warmth that they are generating. Yeah. Uh, specifically, yeah. snakes. Snakes will find their way into transformers. As for birds, uh, the issue is that their wingspan is usually too large and they will contact two different wires at a time oh, with their wings. Yeah. Um, this is especially true of osprey birds, yeah. which is a big, pra- a big problem in Atlantic Canada uh, where they're actually having to move the osprey nests yes. from the tops of power poles over to platforms next to the uh, power, po- uh, power poles. And the issue there is that the osprey is a protected bird because it's uh, endangered. Yeah. So you can't just like go up and shoot the bird and take the nest down, and you can't just move the nest. You actually have to get permission from the government, both in the United States and in Canada. You get a special permit, and then you can pack up the nest and move it someplace, and hopefully the bird will, won't be too upset that its house moved 20 feet mm-hmm. uh, and will take up residence on the, on the platform instead of on top of the power pole. Yeah, that's a common sight. I work at... Um a school here and we're outdoors all the time and the kids whenever we talk about osprey that's that's the familiar site is the osprey on top of the power line yeah yeah i mean that that's in a way when i hear that it really starts to not humanize it that's the wrong word but helps animalize me it. animalize it right we're all there um i start to see that how many animals must have been hurt or killed through this process and I kind of wish that if there was better care put towards protecting the power lines, and there's probably more care put towards protecting the animals from making these silly mistakes or hurting themselves somehow on these power lines. Because, I mean, it's not much 
realistically in the context of animal population around the world. But it's still something that I wonder if it's preventable or avoidable that might also protect the power line somehow. Well, it could definitely be reduced. Yeah. Um, I mean, but it comes down to the power companies actually wanting to spend money to outfit their equipment yeah. with uh, protective devices. And yeah. part of that, they do sometimes get motivated depending on, you know, I read some reports where, you know, local communities get up in arms over the, the growing number of, of small power outages, and then the power companies are, well, it's all squirrels, so okay, we're going to pull in some squirrel baffles, right? Uh, otherwise, if people don't complain about small individual power outages, then the power companies like, well, why should I spend the money uh, if I'm, I can't charge more? Yeah. Uh, so I'll just keep that in my bottom line. Um, but, yeah, there is uh, some efforts uh, among power companies to reduce the number of outages, not so much to save animal lives, but to make their uh, product better for their consumer. Mm -hmm. Through this project that you've been running, has anybody attempted to partner in like research or promotion or anything like that? Have you have anybody uh, been really interested? Sort of. I had a couple of people who say who approached me and and thought that uh, you know they thought it would be a good idea to partner, but I kind of think that they're trying to. They weren't. It would be. I would be helping them more than they would be helping. Yes. Me. Okay. So I the partnerships never really went anywhere because I didn't see any benefit for myself. Yeah. Um, and I didn't see any benefit for them other than that they would make more money. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other issue is that I don't have a lot of time. Yeah. Um, I have a hard time enough now just keeping up with current e events and logging them into the database, uh, let alone trying to start a whole other side project that integrates me with something else, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like I keep saying, you're, you're putting a lot of work into this, and there seems to be sometimes on a a couple of new Twitter posts every day, so there's always information coming out, and then you've got to upload it here, probably add it to your own records, and then put it on the website as well. So, so there's yeah, a I have a couple of uh, news uh, alerts that show up in my email every morning, and I go through those. I get a lot of false positives, yeah. um, and then I have a, a couple of custom Twitter searches that I have that I have to uh, check every day. And then if there's anything that actually fits into the database that I can verify, uh, you know, with a web link on a, on a valid news site, uh, then I, I add a line item to the database, uh, and then I post a, a, a tweet about it to the Twitter, uh, and then once a month I update the map uh, and uh, update the numbers on the website. So it's a, it takes a good bit amount of time. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's kind of fun, too. So. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed, and I'm really stoked on, and I'm going to figure out how I can get my hands on one, is I don't know if this supplements your work or at least just the you know help pays for the website, but you're selling squirrels and patches. Oh yeah, yeah. They look so, great. Um, yeah, so I've got I got stickers, uh, you know, those small little stickers with a logo on them, Cyber Squirrel One. People can put on their laptop. Or I've, I've had a. a uh, a small but growing following in electric companies. And yes. I take them and put them on their hard hats. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I had a, a, a bunch of people uh, request embroidered patches. So I, I made some embroidered patches and we, we were selling those too. And that, that helps cover the bandit cost. I mean, yeah. I'm not getting rich off of money. No. But uh, so I'll get a, a, uh, uh, an order once in a while, I'll stick some in an envelope and mail them out. So, you know, that adds to the overall workload. But uh, I think it's fun. I, I get a kick out of going to information security conferences and seeing other people's laptops with a CyberSquirrel 1 sticker on it. Yeah. Kind of gives me a warm feeling inside. Yeah. I, and people, if you're interested in looking at these designs, which I think are lovely, 
It's cyberattribution.com, and the the stickers for a pack of five is five bucks, or for the beautiful embroidered patch. And I stopped putting patches on my stuff when I sort of stopped listening to punk rock so much. But um, these are these are good patches, and I feel like that would be nice on a backpack. So that's great. Yeah, I mean, if you can't remember, just go to cyberscroll1.com. I think there's a link in the bottom left corner, too. Yes, yeah. Um, I had a question as well about, you say that uh, the work that's being done to sort of fear-monger around cyber attacks of this sort and power grid uh, attacks, it's taking away from other possible priorities where people could be investing their energy and time. What are those other priorities that you see that could be a better use of time? Well, let's say, I mean, there is the possibility that a, uh, a nation state or a hacktivist or uh, just some bored kid somewhere uh, will break into a power company and cause a power outage. Yeah. That can happen, right? What I'm saying is that that is most likely not going to cause some large nationwide cascading failure that causes a uh, nationwide power outage. And the reason I say that is a couple of things. Um, if we look at previous power outages in the United States, some you know massive big blackouts, um, there aren't that many that have ever happened. Uh, and we can't really look at anything before the year 2000 because there was a massive upgrade in computer equipment mm. uh, after Y2K. Yeah. So after Y2K, we really only have two major blackouts. Uh, the Northeast Blackout of 2003 and the Southwest Blackout of 2011. The Northeast Blackout of 2003 was really a, what's called a classic cascading failure. And that's where one small power company or location uh, has a power outage. They can't handle the demand. And so they draw uh, additional power from their neighboring uh, electric utilities. They then can't handle their demand, so they cause draw additional power from their electric utilities and so on and so on and so on until everybody's just down, right, and nothing works. The Northeast Blackout of 2003 took out most of New England, New York, uh, parts of Ontario, uh, parts of Pennsylvania and Ohio. The, anecdotally, this entire episode is blamed on a tree that fell down. Mm. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I, don't, I think there was a tree that fell down, but there was a whole bunch of other errors that occurred uh, that caused this blackout. This also resulted in the National Energy Policy Act of 2005. So this is a pretty a big deal. Like yeah. passed laws because of this. Yeah. But the, the key point to remember, and I think that everybody fails to remember, the Northeast Blackout of 2003, most power was restored in less than 24 hours. Yeah. Big deal. Like this is not a democracy-ending event, which is what people are talking about when we talk about uh, power failures caused by cyber attack. Right? People woke up the next morning for the most part. And Oh, I got power. All right, back to work. No, big deal. Look at the Southwest blackout of 2011, which impacted Los Angeles, San Diego, Arizona, parts of Mexico. Uh, there was basically 23 different events over 11 minutes that caused this, this blackout. And again, we have most power restored uh, in about 11 hours. It's not really that big a deal. 11 mm -hmm. hour power. Hours. Yeah. Yeah, it was a huge, uh, you know, covered a lot of people, but. So these events are what's known as black swan events. They're high profile, they're hard to protect. Um, they're very rare events, but they have major impact. But then we have to look at the attack surface. And that's a term that we use in information security that sort of uh, defines anywhere an attacker could hit you. 
right? Okay. It's called the attack surface. So if we look at the attack surface of the electric grid in the United States, we have over 7,000 power plants, right, that are capable of at least one megawatt. We have 3,000 different electrical companies, over 50,000 substations, 450,000 miles of high-voltage transmission lines, and over 144 million customers. So if you're a cyber attacker and you want to take down the power grid in the United States, you've got 7,000 power plants that you could potentially target. Mm. Like, where do you start? I mean, that's huge. And yeah. they're all different, right? They all use different equipment. They all have different types of computer systems and different securities in place. That is a massively huge undertaking to try to, to, to pull that off. Um, the nine substation problem. In 2014, there was an, there was an incident in Metcalf, California. This is April 16th. Uh, where a bunch of people uh, snuck up on a uh, substation and opened fire on it with high-powered rifles. Wow. I don't know why, but people seem to like to shoot at substations. Mm. There's, a, there's incidents throughout the news articles that I follow that somebody's walking hunting or whatever. Oh, a substation. Let me shoot some rounds at it. Well, this was a, actually more than one person. Uh, very well-timed event, uh, and they, they basically decimated the substation. Uh, and as a result of that, the, they never found out who did it. They were there. They were there for 19 minutes, and then they left. They fired over 107.62 rounds into the substation and basically took out power for uh, a couple of days in, the, in California in this one small area. Um, but because of that, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission instituted, uh, commissioned a study uh, that found that the U.S. could suffer a coast-to-coast blackout if saboteurs knocked out just nine transmission substations for up to 18, and it would cause a blackout for up to 18 months. This is the report that um, cyber warhawks tend to grasp onto and say, see, it only takes nine substations, and we could have a nationwide blackout for 18 months. Mm. Well, the problem with that line of thinking, in my opinion, is that this report looked at physical damage. If you cause physical damage to the substation, yeah, it might take 18 months because the repair work that needs to go into the substation, a lot of the transformers and whatnot are custom-built, and they're specific to each substation. They take months to manufacture, and there's only like two companies in the United States that can build them. So if you were to take out nine uh, substations, which is probably, you know, an order of 20 or maybe 30 transformers, it's going to take a long time to replace those, mm-hmm. right? But a cyber attack is not going to cause the physical damage, uh, most likely. And then, of course, people point to something called the Aurora Generator Test, which is a whole other issue. But that was in a lab, and I don't want to rat hole down that issue. Um, and it, it, it's highly unlikely that you're going to be able to, and even nine targets is a huge number of targets for a cyber attacker to hit all at once, right? So it's just very unlikely that a cyber attack is going to impact uh, a nationwide blackout for a year and a half at a time. Um, so anyway... My point is that anybody could actually, the, the, the major nation states like, say, China, Russia, Iran, these are the countries that could potentially have the capability to actually pull this off. They really want to keep the power on because if they turn the power off, then they really have no idea what we're doing, right? The United States does everything on computer. Yeah. And if they turn the power off, none of our computers are going to work, yeah. and they're not going to be able to hack into them to see what we're doing. Yeah. So... China, Russia, Iran are going to want to keep the power on. Minor threat actors like, say, uh, North Korea, uh, hacktivists, ISIS, whatever, 
they lack the time, they lack the money, they lack the coordination to really to pull off a black swan event. Right? Notice I didn't say they lack the skill. Cause yeah. It's not going to take a lot of skill uh, to do a, a power outage. Uh, it does take a lot to pull off one of these major events, right? Causing a power outage and keeping the power out are two entirely separate different things. Yes, there will probably be a power outage caused by a cyber attack, as we saw in the Ukraine by Russia uh, last, last December and a, and a few months before that. Uh, it's not going to be a widespread major democracy-ending event. Uh, there is a risk, of course, because info and physical security at most power companies is pretty bad. Um, but that risk is nowhere near the level of height that the cyber squirrels, cyber war hawks have been spouting. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, squirrels, they're fun. Yeah. That's, you know, that's my whole point. Yeah. Has anybody decided to listen or like pay attention to what you're saying in a serious way aside from? I don't, I don't know how much impact this project has had yeah. directly. Um, I do know that uh, it has been talked about in different higher circles, yeah. um, whether or not that the project has actually changed anybody's way of thinking, I don't know. I do seem to uh, see less of the over-the-top hype that I used to see, um, uh, the, but I don't know if that's a direct result of CyberSquirrel 1 or something else. Uh, I don't know. Mm. Wow. You know, I think I mentioned that I do. there are, seem to be a large number of fans in the uh, SCADA part of information security, which is uh, SCADA stands for supervisory control and data acquisition, um, which is the parts of the computers that actually control equipment. Okay. Um, and it, that's kind of a subset of information security, people who work in the SCADA and ICS uh, uh, industrial control systems segment. And they seem to have uh, great awareness of CyberSquare One and, and, and great affection for the project. Although there are a couple of people think that I'm trying to uh, that have emailed me and said that I'm, uh, you know, minimizing the, minimizing the threat and that I shouldn't really be doing this project because uh, the threat is real and that, that my saying it's not real is is, is uh, impacting their efforts to try to hype it up. Mm. And to which I respond, well, yeah, I know the threat is real, but it's not, you know, a nationwide blackout that's going to last for 18 months real. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Um, Space Rogue, I want to say thank you. Yeah. But do you have anything else that you you wanted to talk about before? I think I got all my big points in. Um, you know, squirrels, that's it. Yeah. And again, it's 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 cybersquirrel1, the number one, dot com. And um, what's the Twitter? At cybersquirrel1. Yep. And the, rec- the information just keeps on coming. There's news reports every day. You seem to be updating all the time. I also noticed that you've just started following some uh, power companies to get them more access to the news reports, which is great. So thank you for your work. I appreciate the meticulousness of it, and I hope I hope more people pay attention and start listening. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah.